0: Welcome, and thank you for stopping by Biker Church, Wally, Texas. Let's go on in and see what Charlie Mullen has to teach us today. So, y'all remember back a little while back in November when I said that I had to go find a job because I didn't know I was coming off of all this medical stuff. I didn't know that, and it took God about two and a half hours to find me a job. So, my wife decides, what, Friday, Thursday, Thursday she's gonna you know she's tired of doing what she's doing it's not steady enough so she's gonna go get her a job guys about four hours worth of online interviews and by friday she had five interviews she's had five job offers or three job offers since she put her applications in i want to tell you something man whenever you just turn it over to god and let god take hold of it it works out every time every time yeah, you got to want to work too. I was, I was trying to stay on the spiritual part, not get on them too much about that. But if you want to lay on your hind end, you can lay on your hind end too, I guess, but. Yeah, and if you got yeah, she has like a couple of felonies and you got hired that quick too, so don't tell me the felonies can't work either. Depends on how you've got your life anchored, folks. And we're gonna go over some of that today. But first off, we're gonna take care of a little business. Let's go to the Lord. Father God, we come to you tonight humbly, but also proudly, Father, that we have proclaimed that you are the Son, that you are the one who died on the cross and gave us everything and every chance that we have now, Father. Father, I ask that you take this offering we're about to take up. Let it be used to continue your work in the kingdom, Father. Let your kingdom in heaven be just like the one here on earth, Father, or vice versa, I guess I should say. But Father, it's all this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. See? You see what happens in worship service when you act like you want to act? That little boy right there is how I feel. I'm just too old to do it, I think. I'm telling you. But that right there is what we should all like. Y'all can be seated. I'm sorry. That right there is what we should all look like when God gets a hold of us. My grandfather, and I say it all the time, he told me when I was younger, I kept looking at a man I I grew up in a a Pentecostal or assembly, God, whatever you want to call it. I grew up in a spirit-filled church. And as I watched a man lay in the floor and scream out to God and flop around, and it kind of got me. And my grandfather told me, he said, never judge a man or a woman on how they worship God because you don't know what they've been freed from. And I know a lot of us in here that ought to be doing jumping jacks in cartwheels and backflips all the way through this place because we have been freed from some things and we're gonna get into that. Let's go to, first, or to, excuse me, to Romans chapter 8. How many people in here come from a family who wasn't exactly great? How many people come in here come from a family who probably deserves to be in jail? How many people in here come from families that have alcoholics, drug addicts, thieves, it's things like that, so because we come from that family, we're cursed with that outcome, right no, no. but but I thought it all had to do with upbringing. See the Bible says in the Old Testament that God cursed generations, did he not? So that's what I'm a victim of. that's the reason why I'm as violent as what I am is because I grew up violent. My dad had a temper, therefore i'm 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 almost obligated to have a temper, and I have every excuse in the world to make for having a temper, right yeah, in the world why dude i'm it does it again where me and God's gonna have a serious talk about this crown. Romans 8. Let's go to the Word. Therefore, wait a minute, hang on. This kind of goes against what I was saying. We have to change my sermon here. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of a sinful man to be a sin offering. So what does that say? It says that by the law, I had no chance of ever being a good man. I had no chance of making it to heaven. I had no chance in my flesh trying to live by a written law that was ever going to let me have a relationship with God because of my flesh that was going to be pleasing to God. So God sent Christ here in the form of a sinful man, no different than me or anybody else, to live a sin-free life and to take sin upon him when he went to the grave. So to back that one up, we're gonna go over here to 2 Corinthians, and y'all don't have to move, I'm gonna jump around a little bit, everybody knows where I'm going anyway. 2 Corinthians five seventeen. therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, all this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciled to the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them it don't get any plainer than that right there. If you are truly living with Jesus in your heart, the old is gone, the new has come, nothing that happened in your past can touch you now as far as God is concerned. And that doesn't mean that everything that you've done in your past is gonna be forgiven by men, but it is gonna be forgiven by God. Some of us still have dues to pay when it comes to pleasing men. But when it comes to pleasing God, all I have to do is live a life that is a pleasing sacrifice to God. What does it mean to sacrifice? All I have to do is give my flesh up to the grave and walk in the Holy Spirit that Jesus has given me. Jesus doesn't come and say, if you invite me into your life, I will come and live in your heart. Jesus says, I will give you a new heart, and that is where it is. Jesus don't want to move in your crusty old heart. It's like buying that piece of land. What he wants, he doesn't care what the land looks like. He's going to move in on it, tear down what was there, put it in the ground, and arise a new home for him to live in with your heart but here's the thing how many times have we done spring cleaning in our house and we got rid of all kinds of crud and then by next spring what's it look like again stop dragging crud back into the house that god built the only reason why we are still responsible for our past when it comes to God is because we keep bringing it back in front of God. Well, God, I I have to act this way because my mama was an alcoholic and, and she was mean to my dad. God, I have to act this way because all my siblings are all alcoholics and drug addicts, and I just don't feel like I have any choice but to be that way. You don't know what I've been through. God knows everything that you've been through. He has watched you go through all of it. I can just see God up there wringing his hands going, man, if you would just realize that all you have to do is forget about you and concentrate on me. We were just discussing back there a while ago that there's, a, there's a, an organization out there called I Am Second. And it goes right along with what we yell here all the time, God first. If you're not putting God first, then you are putting yourself center stage. Where's all the pressure at on center stage? Whoever's at center stage has all the pressure of trying to do it right the first time. Guys, we've proved for a thousand years we can't do it right the first time. I told my daughters the other day, it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of money, and a lot of bad decisions to mess your life up as bad as what I had messed it up. But it only takes one encounter with the the Almighty to get rid of all of that and change your heart. We serve a God that when Christ was walking through that village and came across that woman who had been accused of adultery, they drug her, they caught her committing adultery, drug her out into the street, threw her in the street, were fixing to stone her to death. And Jesus stood along the sidelines because he wasn't he was too Jesus was too good to get down there with her, right? So what kind of condition do you think this woman was in? She was probably very had very little on she was probably at the lowest point of her whole life laying in the dirt and it says jesus got down there and everybody wants to know what jesus wrote in the sand i care less what jesus wrote in the sand the whole point was is jesus was down there with her eye level a long time ago me and me and jr were standing out back and i looked over in the dumpster and there was a picture of jesus in the dumpster and that changed my view on Jesus completely. When will I stop dragging Jesus off in my dumpster? The only reason why Jesus ever sees me in a mess is because I drag him into my mess. He has to come into my mess and get me. Jesus got down on that woman's level and said, where are your accusers now? Because they haven't sinned any less than you. Because here's what Jesus knew that the church needs to understand. Sin is sin is sin is sin. Your little bitty sin that you do every day that you don't think God notices is just the same as committing adultery. Your little sin that you do once a month that you think, oh man, God will forgive me for it, is the same sin as committing murder. Go ahead and get mad at a family member. What's it say? What does the Bible say about having hate in your heart for your brother? You might as well commit murder. You might, in the eyes of God, you might as well kill him. as have hate in your heart for him. Jesus did what he did because he had no hate in his heart for anyone. He hated what the earth or what the world had done to them. So what did he do about it? I hated what the world has done to me. I should do the same thing to it that Christ did. I should take all of that stuff with me to the grave and leave it buried when I'm resurrected. And what does it mean when I give my life to Christ? I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but he lives in me. So if I'm crucified with Christ, where's my flesh? It's in the grave. Quit digging it up. Quit going back to your vomit. You took all of that trash and gave it away. You laid it at the altar and gave it to Christ, but you keep running back over there and taking it from him because you want to play with it. It's an excuse. You really want to tell me that how we lived in our flesh was comfortable? I don't know about y'all, man, but I didn't like having to sneak in my house wondering if somebody was going to take a shot at me when I got off my motorcycle. I didn't like having to look over I, I've told this story a thousand times, but to drive a different direction home every day, check underneath your car, open the door with, or reach in and start your car with one leg in the car and one leg out of the car, just in case somebody put a little toy in there for you. Nothing. I was afraid of nothing. When you asked me, man, what are you afraid of? I don't afraid of nobody. Cameras on my house, guns in every corner, guard dogs, two chain link fences, Different way home every day, but I ain't afraid of nothing. Biggest lie I ever told myself. Tell you what, it wasn't the afraid the fact that I was afraid of man, because I ain't afraid of nothing that bleeds. But I will tell you this, I was afraid of me dying, not being where I was supposed to be, and my spirit knew that, so it fed it to my brain, and my brain got paranoid. Now, pfft, kill me. I got bros in heaven waiting on me, man. couple here lately bums i get jealous man forget about getting heartbroken when one of our you get a brother in christ pass away don't be heartbroken for him be heartbroken for you you're stuck here they're worshiping god we will toil and slave all week long to get a reward on a little piece of paper so we can take it and put it in the bank Think about the reward that you're going to get that is eternity. So, yeah, you're going to have to work on it a little bit. You're going to have to go through some things. When you accept Christ into your life, that does not mean that all the worldly pressures against you stop. It just means that you are equipped now to handle them better than what you were. It's called faith. And if you don't exercise, faith is a muscle. If you don't exercise it, it'll die. And the last thing you want to be is a believer in Christ who's low on faith, because a Christian low on faith, like a car out of gas, man. I used to think all the time, man. I want, man. I want one of them new Corvettes. I want one of them new high-dollar trucks. And then, I got, you ever priced tires for Corvettes? I look real funny out there trying to make a payment on a seventy-five dollars or $135,000 car, and I can't drive it because I can't afford tires for it. <laughs> <sighs> what is up with my driving today? You got on me this morning. Everybody knows I don't drive fast. I may fly too close to the ground, but I don't drive fast. I did get told by my boss the other day. He said, you made pretty good time. I don't pay tickets. Okay. (laughs) So what do we owe to ourselves when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior? We owe it to ourselves to allow our flesh to fall away from our spirit. We owe it to ourselves to stop letting our past drag us down. We owe it to ourselves to finally admit that no matter how much we deny God, He still cares about us. No matter how many times we mess up, we still serve a God who died for us. No matter how many times we sin, we still serve a God who wants us not to. He's never going to wash His hands of you. He's never going to be done with you. He might show you a little tough love, But he doesn't, but here's the, and here's the part that you need to remember the whole time. You don't impress him. Your walk with Christ might impress him, but your flesh, man, he, he the Bible says he's a respecter of no man. He could care less what you've been through. He could care less what your accolades are. He could care less how much money you got in the pocket. Because you can have the whole world, but not have him in your heart, and you're going to hell. Oops. I said, hell in church. I know we're not supposed to preach like that. I think me and Jr. are probably getting in trouble here pretty soon for doing that. But here's the point. If me preaching the truth is going to get me in trouble, guess what? I'm going to be in trouble. Because the truth is what God says. And God says if I don't live a life that pleases him, I'm not going to see the gates of heaven. My worst fear is that I, if I, even if I don't live up to it, I might get to see the gates of heaven right before I take a nosedive to hell. What if that is our punishment for not completely surrendering to God is we get a glimpse of heaven but wind up in hell? Scares me to death. Yeah. How many Christians do that, though? We go straight to the Jordan. Man, there's things over there I don't want to deal with. So he jack around on the bank. Moses didn't get to go see it. But his, and, and Moses' people got to go see it. But when they got there, they didn't follow God's directions, and they compromised their faith. They were too accepting of other things that God told them not to be accepting of. So you think about that when you watch the news tomorrow morning, and it says that we need to be a more tolerant society when it comes to sin. Sin is sin is sin is sin. I don't care if it's a newscaster or the pope that tells you that it's okay. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, then it's a lie straight out of hell. No, I did not just call the pope a liar. Did I just call the pope a liar? No, I didn't call the pope a liar. It doesn't matter what anybody in the flesh tells you. What matters is what God tells you. And God tells you that if you don't live a life that is pleasing to him, then you will not reap the benefits of heaven. It's not that hard to understand. He also says that if you are a new creation, then you are not who you used to be. How many people in here lost a bunch of weight? You keep them old clothes? You get rid of all that stuff. When you get rid of all that old sin, don't go dig it back out of the closet. Chunk it out in the street where the trash man can pick it up. Problem is, is I see a lot of my brothers in Christ chasing that trash truck down the road. Man, I didn't mean to give up all that. And it all has to do with whether or not you're afraid of being who you're supposed to be. My wife picked this shirt out for me to wear tonight. I said, man, it kind of lines right up with what God's got me preaching. All God wants you to do is stop being what you were never intended to be. You were never intended to be a drug addict. You were never intended to be an alcoholic. You were never intended to be a dope dealer. You were never intended to wind up in prison. You were never intended to have a divorce. You were never intended to have diseases. There was not one disease on this earth until man bowed down to his flesh and brought it upon himself. There was no death on this earth until man bowed down to his flesh. We were never all we were intended to do was walk in the garden with our Father. That's why human beings were created. So we wouldn't have, or basically we wouldn't have to suffer. And what did we do? We got too big for our own britches. If God can do this good, man, I can do it great because I got hands-on. Problem is, is most of our hands-on experience came from what God told us to keep our hands off of. I don't think I'm wrong. I think everybody says, who because they've been going, ooh, ooh, Take a look at your life right now. What do you need to drop real quick? Because I hate to tell you all this, no matter whether you, whatever happens in the dark is going to come out in the light. What scares me the most is the Bible says God sees me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So even when I go in the bathroom, when I'm mad at my wife, she may not see it because I'm still breathing, but Jesus sees it. And I got a feeling he looks down there and says, man, come on, guns? Really? I thought we'd worked on all this. And if you're really that big of a man, open the door and let her hear you. (laughs) I know God doesn't want me punished for that part of it because he hasn't ever let me, let her hear me. That's where my punishment would come in. (laughs) What I say behind a pulpit can't be held against me in my house. Yeah. Oh, she's got her brass snuggles in her hand. <laughs> Y'all pray for me after church. I might need a little physical healing tomorrow. No matter what happens in my life, no matter where I go from this moment forward, my past doesn't matter. What I did yesterday doesn't matter as long as I've straightened it out with God. But I can't keep hiding it because there's no hiding anything from God. And you think Adam and Eve, would? you think they would have liked to have gotten away with what they did? Ain't no getting away with it. I'm scared to death they're going to bring it all up when I go to heaven. <sighs> like sitting down and getting that review at work. Oh, I didn't know y'all knew about the time I was late. <laughs> I don't think God's going to bring all that stuff up. You don't want to know why? Because none of that stuff is on me anymore. God doesn't see that when I go in front of him. Because Jesus is standing there in front of me. And Jesus says, nah, you didn't see that one. That's mine. Let him go. Don't even look twice. And God says, is he yours? And he says, he is an inheritance. He has the same inheritance as me. And God says, let him go. Well done. So how, do you, let me ask you a serious question. When you go, if you had to go right now and stand in front of God, would you want you standing in front of God or do you want to have Christ accepted in you where God sees Jesus? I don't want him looking at me. I ain't worthy of heaven. But I'm not some poor, beat up sinner either who doesn't deserve heaven. Because me saying that I don't deserve heaven God's love is like saying that what he did for me wasn't good enough. And I learned for a long time that I was unworthy. My flesh is unworthy. My spirit is holy. As long as I live by my spirit and keep putting God first, my flesh can stay where it's at, in the ground, covered up, preferably with an angel sitting on it. And a padlock, because my flesh was rough. My flesh was mean. My flesh was jealous. But most of all, my flesh was scared to death. You ever seen a mad dog or a hurt dog backed up into a corner? It'll bite you and not really want to bite you. That's who I was. I was that scared guy backed up in a corner who used fear and anger and hate to keep everybody else away from him. And then God decided, you know what, man, we're going to make him mushy. We're going to break all that concrete off his heart. And sometimes he used dynamite. And once we get to that heart, we're going to get rid of that old black nasty heart that he liked to hide behind. And we're going to put a heart of Christ in him. And Christ is going to live there. And every time he starts to try to go back to where he was, Christ is going to step up and say, hey, this way. This is See, that's what it means to follow Christ. That means every turn you make, if Christ doesn't take it first, don't go that way. And parents, that's where we come in. When we got a kid who's messing up, no, don't look over there. Come this way. Follow me. Come here, boy. Don't pay no attention to her. She's a trick. Come here. This way. God first. But even if you didn't have that growing up, there's still no excuse to not know God first. Because any book you open that has anything to do with God is going to tell you he's first, you're second, everything else comes in next. Put it that way. Try living your life where every decision that you make is based on the fact that you have Christ living inside you. And every decision that you're going to make from here on out is going to be based on whether or not it follows what Christ says to do. Because if you don't, I'm going to hate to tell you what kind of situation you're going to be in. Because if Christ is walking that way and you keep going straight and you don't keep your eyes on him and you miss the turn that he made, you're going to be out there by yourself. And I'm not going to say Jesus ain't going to come back for you, but sometimes it kind of takes him a minute to get there. You might have to walk on the water and trust in him to get there what happens when you take your eyes off of him? You sink. But what did Jesus do? How did he reach down? He was nowhere close to him. The book says that Jesus was walking across the water and Peter got out of the boat and Jesus said, come to me. Peter sank. Jesus was there. So The lady that was in the sand, Jesus was there and reached out to her. Peter was underwater. Anybody get the idea that Jesus might meet us where we're at? We serve a God that it doesn't matter what walk we've taken, Christ will meet us where we are when we call out to him. When are we going to start believing that? When are we going to get it through our thick heads that all we have to do Is call upon him. Ain't nobody, nothing in that book ever says that all your troubles will be over. Matter of fact, it says you're going to suffer like Jesus did. I really hope not because that, I've read it. It sounds like it hurt. I've seen it portrayed on a couple of movies. It looks like it hurt. I don't want to have to live through that, but praise God, he already has, so I don't have to. Are we going to be persecuted for being, Christ, being God's people? Probably. Are we already? A little bit. Is it going to get worse? Yeah. I, I hope not in my lifetime. But it is my responsibility to train people that are coming up after I'm gone to know that they know that they know that they know. So what do we do with our trash? Trash. Do we? Do we? I didn't ask what we ought to do with our trash. I asked what we do with our trash. Why? We really do. You want to hear the sad part? A lot of times we recycle it and pass it on to future generations. Just like a plastic bottle. I saw that commercial the other day. It said if we recycle this wrapper, it can become something else. I want mine to become a, what is it, a hang glider. Nobody ever said I was a drug addict. I really, I'm going to pass this down. I hope my kids become drug addicts. But how many kids in here were drug addicts that their parents were drug addicts too? How many people grew up around drug addicts? Do you have to be a drug addict? Do you want to be a drug addict? Ah, bull. Your flesh wants to be a drug addict. Your flesh wants to be an alcoholic. Your fle- you know why? Because it brings you some sympathy, and it gives you an excuse to act the way you want to act. Stop it. Get it through your head that when your heart gets right, it will change your mind. Quit concentrating on what your flesh wants to feel and start, and start concentrating on what your spirit is being told by the Holy Spirit. Let it get a hold of you. Let it change your life. Let it do to you what it did for the whole world. Twelve men changed the entire way people looked at religion. And how many millions of Christians are there in the world today and we can't seem to get it done? All I want for you is to understand that all God wants from you is everything. He doesn't want you for an hour and a half on Sunday. He doesn't want you part-time on Monday. He doesn't want you to go just to a Bible class on Tuesday. He wants you all the time. He wants you while you're at work. He wants you while, he, you know what? Here's the bad part, guys. He even wants us from the time we wake up till before we had that cup of coffee. Sometimes that's rough to live up to. <laughs> I'm not even sure my wife speaks English before she's had that first cup of coffee. All she's ever said to me is, (laughs) we serve a God who comes for us. We don't have to chase him. We don't have to do great works to be recognized by him. All we have to do is stop being what we were never intended to be and realize that God is the one and only way that we're ever going to have a future. Accepting Christ into your heart is the only way that you even have a chance of seeing heaven. Accepting that, yeah, I'm a sinner. And yes, grace has a big part of my life, but I'm not some poor sinner saved by grace. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I walk in grace. I walk in his love every day. I was a sinner. Now I'm redeemed. And guess what I'll be tomorrow when I wake up? Redeemed. And guess what I'm going to put first? God. And there's nothing this world has to offer that can add up to what God has to offer. And when you get the blinders off of you and you quit living in your flesh and you start walking in the spirit and you start actually believing what God has in store for you, then your flesh will die and you will be a new creation. The old will go away, the new will come upon you, and you will realize, I don't have to live in agony anymore. I may have to hurt, but God's going to guide me through everything that I ever go through. We just have to figure it out. So how many in here want to agree with me that God has to come first? How many in here want to change the fact that he's not? I mean, I can admit the fact that God's not always first in my life. My wife told me this afternoon about some stuff we were fixing to get ready to go through. It didn't hit me. I said, man, my wife's getting a new job. It didn't hit me. It's going to take a couple weeks to get a paycheck. I started looking at money. I have a tendency to panic. My wife has a tendency to say, hey, God's brought us through worse than this. I have to correct myself. I have to get myself back on the walk because when I looked down at that point in time, when I looked down, Jesus' footprints weren't in front of me for me to follow. They had gone that way on the track to I got this and leave it up to me. Instead, I said, no, I got this, I'll figure it out. And when the panic set in and the, oh man, we're not gonna make it and this is gonna happen and how are we gonna do this? I looked up and Jesus was going that way. I was still facing this way. But when I finally got my spirit straight and I got turned around, Jesus let me know, no matter what it is you're going through right now, it still wasn't as bad as what I went through. So, man, get over it. God brought me to it. Jesus will bring me through it. That's all that God says he will do. He won't take away the hardships, but he's going to give you the tools and the opportunity to be able to walk hand in hand with Jesus through the middle of it. How many people were in the fire? Three of them had a name. They didn't know who that fourth one was. Milford, who was that fourth one? The angel of God. Come on, man. How many times you've been standing in the fire and thought you was in there by yourself? The fire gets to burning so hot around you that you can't see who's in there with you. But what happens when your fire is greater than the fire around you? And guys, that's science. You build a fire around you big enough, it'll stop other fire from getting to you. You when We know you've been to a barbecue. Stop worrying about what the world has in store for you and start counting up what God has planned for you. And let's see how much your life changes. So I'm going to ask you right now. We're going to mess, quit messing around with the monkey business we're going to get right now. Who wants God first? Who wants to change their life to the point where All they see first is God. I do. I better, if I'm going to stand up here and preach it, I better have God first. Because I think the worst thing in the world you can do is get up and tell somebody how God says you're supposed to live your life and then not live life that way. So if I can put God first, because a lot of y'all that don't know me from the past don't know that my, my whole motto in life used to be, I got this. You got a problem, I got it fixed, no matter what it takes. And then, you know, God told me one day, when I was laying in the hospital in a coma, you ain't got this. You got no control over nothing. I hate to tell all the control freaks out there, no. No, you don't got it. You don't got it at all. You might think you have it, but look down in your hand. It ain't there. I can tell you where it's at. It belongs to a man named Jesus. And he does have everything in the palm of his hand. He has everything you're ever going to need planted squarely in the palm of his hand. And the good thing about Jesus is he's standing there with his hand out. So what happens when you put your hand in his? It's right there. Everything you've ever wanted is right there. All you have to do is put God first. All you have to do is put you last and see how it comes up. Guys, we're supposed to love them like God loved the church. God died for his church. Would you die for her? If you wouldn't, you shouldn't be with her. Ladies, God is not going to give you another man's husband. Another woman. Another woman. Yeah, see, I mean, <laughs> Sorry. Ladies, your dream man is not married to another woman in your church, I promise you. She's not married to the banker, or he's not married to the banker. Second, never mind. Yeah. Learn what sin is and learn not to do it, and learn not to compromise. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. If you are tired of compromising... If you are tired of not putting God first, if you are tired of the pressure that it takes from being under the spotlight because you've got this, I want to put your hand in there. I don't want to count you. I, I don't, I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to bring some gentlemen into the room that when you've got your hand up, we can pray with you and do some things with you and, and talk with you. I'm going to open the altars up. If you need prayer, come up here and get you some. If you need to deal with something with God, these altars are open. Please come up. There's no reason why you should have to go through it alone because you're never alone. Father God, we come to you tonight. Hurting, Confused and yearning to be more with you, Father. Father, we ask that you shine brightly so that our eyes don't leave you, Father. Father, be that one beautiful thing in our life that we can't take our eyes off of, Father, so that all of our concentration is on you. And Father, it's all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you for joining us today. If you have prayer requests or need to contact us, please email us at bikerchurchwileytexas at gmail.com or call 214-283-0620. Please send all written correspondence to 303 Highway 78, Suite 103, Wiley, Texas 75098. And if you wish to make a donation, please make all checks payable to PSMM. God bless you and have a great day.